Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's up, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonner Fide Radio, and welcome to On Course with Heart Ramsey. And these sessions we call Heart to Heart. It's your opportunity to hear from the heart of Pastor Heart Ramsey directly into your heart about all sorts of issues, and there are plenty to talk about. Pastor Heart, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Gerard. How are you doing? I am good. So if you guys caught the last podcast, we talked about a lot of things in there that are going on in the world. And uh, so much is happening from the unraveling of what took place in Charlottesville now a few weeks ago that I really wanted to kind of have an open discussion about that, how the church has and should respond, what our country is doing. There's a lot to talk about. First of all, um, your thoughts on what happened in Charlottesville, because even though it was still two or three weeks ago, it is still very, very fresh on the minds of many. And it's, uh, I guess, I won't even say reopened, but it has continued uh, a conversation at a larger volume around race in this country. Your thoughts? Well, you know, um, Charlottesville was, was eye-opening, but, you know, we, we have to be honest. We saw this coming. Sure. When the the rhetoric that was being spewed, um, during the entire Trump campaign, mm-hmm. this this was the, the the fruit of it. You know, we kept we kept using terms. I heard different people and different leaders and voices around the nation and world were using the, the term "dog whistle." Right, is it dog whistle? And the, and the dog whistle. I guess the term referred to the fact that he was using coded language to send messages to a, a part of his base that were the underbelly of American society. Here's my here's my concern, and and here's one of the things we need we need to really look at. So what you have is the Nazis were defeated in 1948. That was the official ending of the Nazi reign over Germany. It was a 12 year reign. Mm-hmm. Hitler's defeated. He commits suicide. The whole nine. Now, um. A lot of people died in that war. A lot of people died. Americans and, and, and allies and, and, and Germans, a lot of people died. So how does he become a hero in America? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this, and, and again, I want to speak from this wise. Um, in January of, 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 I think it was this year or last year, it was January of this year, we were, we were in a fast. and um, No, it, it was last year, and the Lord told me, uh, it was the strangest instruction um, watch the World War II documentary on Netflix. It was a strange instruction. I had to get clear. I mean, I'm a fasting. I'm, I'm fasting. I'm not trying to watch anything. I'm trying to read the Bible. Right. And so it became so strong in me that I did. And for 14 episodes, I watched this documentary on Hitler. And at the end of it, the Holy Spirit asked me, who, did the, who does that spirit remind you of? Oh, my. And, and it was clear. And so what, here's what I did. I started, I started to pray for us and for him and for the, and the Lord says, now go search his German roots. Now, what I expected was to find way down the line, like maybe in, deep in his ancestry, I was going to find that, that he had German connection. No, it wasn't deep down. It was his dad. Holy cow. Who was connected also on this side to, to white supremacists. Hmm. 
So, so what you have to understand is, is there's a lot that we don't know about this. And there's a lot of, I can say, and I don't want to make this political, but I want to speak to Charlottesville for a minute. Um, Charlottesville, notice the thing, the couple things that stood out. Number one, no one had hoods on. Right. That means they are emboldened to come and bring their brand of ideology um, to, to, the, to the mainstream, to the, to the forefront. They believe that they have the proper government in position now to, to, um, to make real these, these ideologies that, that have been forced underground for years. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it begins here. Like uh, th- They plan their rally, and then there's a counter-contingency that says, you know what, we're not going to have this. Right. On, on, on the president's response to it, well, we, I guess we will say that for later on. But, but I think in Charlottesville, what we saw was was Satan is emboldened enough to believe that America is ripe right now for unrest, for mm. for civil unrest, for the kind of unrest that's supported by. Listen to this: the evangelical contingency of the Christian Church. Mm-mm-mm. Most of the people who were marching, most of those men would call themselves. Christians, they will say that they are what's called traditional uh, evangelical Christians. That means, Gerard, the march happened on a Friday night. A lot of the unrest happened on a Saturday morning. And the Sunday morning, they were holding someone's hymnal in church, mm-hmm. singing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Mm-mm-mm. That's the problem right now. The problem, the pro- Charlottesville is not a world problem. It's a church problem. <sighs> And the Lord, the Lord, I believe, Gerard, the Lord allowed that to happen because up to that point, remember this. Now, what, what, now what can we say that came out of this that was good? It was the first time that major white pastors opened their mouth and condemned racism from their pulpits right. and across the nation. It was the first time first in time. my lifetime that that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many of them. They had to. They had no choice because, again, as I said in the last the last podcast, um, if they if they remained silent, they would move from complicity to um, being accessories, their accomplices. They they, they they were they have um, they were backed into a corner. They had to speak. Right. Charlottesville, I believe, when we look back at history, is the turning point in in this. Um, I would say a dialogue, but it's not a dis- even a dialogue or a discussion. It's an argument. Mm. Over the role of immigrants, African Americans, and minorities in general in our nation. Wow, it's a turning point, and the church has has, has fed the, the, this false idea of um. And I say the church. I'm speaking of of a contingency of the church has fed this idea, and then there's a couple of things that that I, I need to insert right here. Number yes. one, here's what they bank on. They bank on 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 on, on peddling a doctrine. That says that there's a master race or there's a superior race, mm-hmm. and then when every any, ever anything happens, and this is this is very inflammatory, it could be very offensive. If I offend you, listen, charge it to, charge it to my heart. You know, I, I meant to say it, not charge it to my heart, because this is where I, I really believe this. They are depending on us to go around like Nat Turner did, mm. and say to the people, "This is the way God designed it." And so I posted right after, shortly after that, I don't do plantation church. Right. I don't do that. And let me define plantation church. is where the government and, and, and um, the powers that be or even the contingency of the, of the, of the, uh, the Christian church that, that believes in this false 
um, doctrine, this false ideology, when they do things to oppress people and institutionalize their beliefs where it works against um, people of color and, and, and minorities and, and immigrants, then we get up in the pulpit and then we preach the love of God without speaking to the situation. I don't do that. Right. My, my, what I believe is this before it's easy to preach to preach the oppressed. Sure. It's more difficult to preach to the oppressor. Wow. And before we, I'll be honest with you, we, I, I would be a hypocrite. I'm speaking about Hart Ramsey. I would be a hypocrite, Gerard, mm-hmm. to, to preach to the oppressor and tell them what God re- requires of them and not point my finger in the oppressor's face and saying that the, the judgment of God is upon you mm-hmm. and what you're doing is wicked and it's wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's very interesting. Something happened uh, the other night on the MTV Video Music Awards that literally made me sit up and just pause. Firstly, they had a minister on, which if you've ever watched the VMAs, that <laughs> never happens. Never happens. Okay. So I was already intrigued. So he gets up. And he says, my name is Reverend Robert Lee. I am a pastor and I am a descendant of Robert E. Lee. And so now I'm going, oh, this is interesting. And he comes out and speaks out against what happened in Charlottesville. He speaks out and says that uh, his father's image has been now wrongly used to uh, associate with racism. And he said these words. He said racism is America's original sin. Mm. Mm. I want to get your thoughts on that, because to me, on a platform like the VMAs, which certainly I think was the biggest platform, certainly that night for entertainment, um, and certainly MTV is far from being religious or moral or anything like that, for him to make that statement and for people to loudly applaud, I think said a lot. I want you to address that idea. Is racism America's original sin? You know, uh, while you were, while you, you, you were framing the question, I was sitting there thinking, I went back in, in my mind to, to, to the early days of the nation thinking, what could possibly uh, win out against racism as the original sin? And I have to say, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it was based on something else. It was rooted in in the idea that if I enslave Africans mm-hmm. or have indentured workers to work off their debt to society, then it, it what it does for me is it gives me free labor or very 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 cheap labor, mm-hmm. and I could build my wealth. So racism and capitalism are both to me running neck and neck with. I think the stretch at the tape goes to racism. Yes, racism wins by a, a, a slim margin mm-hmm. over the over the absolute greed of of of, of our nation that was in the in the original um, charter of this nation: racism and capitalism. Now, now I'm gonna tell you this: um, um, what what America did to Africans is absolutely unconscionable. Mm-hmm. We we don't have an idea of the gruesomeness right. of what they of what they've done. Matter of fact, uh, and I say we, I'm talking about um, the, we being the descendants of African slaves. We have no idea how bad it really, really was. Right. So yes, it was it was the original sin, and 
And um, and I want to I want to disagree with with Pastor Robert Lee for a minute here. For him to try in any way, although he says that America's uh, uh, racism is America's original sin, he's right. But there's no way he could exonerate his ancestor from being um, racist, mm-hmm. because the, the the history books show that I've, I've read accounts of slaves who actually were released, because you know he inherited his slaves to, from his wife's father. Mm. When his wife, when 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 um Robert Ely's um uh, when his wife's father died, when he was dying, he told his slaves, "Upon my death, you will be released." And when he, after the father died, and Robert Lee got the slaves, he told him, "Well, um, what he really meant was you have to, you you have to work five more years to your release." So that so they did, and 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 they worked five years, and he still didn't release them. So some ran away, and the ones that were caught, they were treated treated horribly. Wow. So yes, yeah, so, so you can't you can't de- defend that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, no one. Uh, I'll say this. You know, um, the people that that fought for the Confederacy, they were fighting for their southern, not just their way of life, but their means. Mm-hmm. They built their um, wealth on the back of African slaves. Absolutely. And they taught their children that. Did, did you know? I don't know if you know this. Did you know that um, some of these um, slave owners will actually give their children a, a person as a birthday gift? Are you serious? They will give them yes for for, for some uh, 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 let's say a fictitious Martha turned sixteen years old and as a as her, as a birthday present she's given a, a female African slave to be her personal slave. So, so these, so these things. Yes, it's a, it's the original sin, and it's something that, and because God blessed them anyway, they thought that God was cool with it. Mm. And again, I, I, I speak to the church, and the church was using false doctrine, calling calling blackness the curse of Cain, right? And, and um, and saying that our ham no, that nor curse ham when the Bible specifically said that nor curse Canaan. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And, and, um, and not Ham. Ham was already blessed from the, the previous chapter by God. And, the, and according to what um, Balaam said, um, if God blesses someone, no one could curse him. Right. So um, uh, as, we, as we look at this, going back to the question, yes, racism is America's original sin. And, um, and, and another thing we need to know about racism is that racism is not just discrimination. Because people say, well, they're black racists too. You can't be a black racist, and here's why. Now, you could be a black person that don't like white people. You could be prejudiced. You could be discriminatory towards whites. Mm-hmm. But you can't be a racist because racism is, 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 is vested in and, and, and wrapped around power. Okay. Racism is not just about not liking people of color. It's about building systems to lock them out of power. To, 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 to build pipelines that, that make sure that the, um, the smallest uh, offense will land them in prison for many years to work for free. The prison system, the industrial uh, prison system in America is nothing but a replica of the old, old uh, school slavery. Mm. Where the, the whole thing is based upon um, the desire to get free labor. That's why prisoners are rented out. Did you know that prisoners are rented out to companies? Really? Oh yeah, do, do the homework. You find they, they, they actually rent it out to companies where where the prison system is being paid money for the free labor or the, the very very cheap labor of these prisoners. It's the same thing, 
And so racism is rooted in the power to subjugate and the power to oppress and the power to close doors and the power to belittle and, 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 to, and to control destinies. That's what racism is. And you show me a black person that got that power. So black people can't be racist. Well, we, well, now I've, I've met some prejudiced black people and normally when you find a prejudiced black person, it's in response to the hatred they've experienced for being black. Right. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Heart Ramsey. Wow. So, okay. So, so we have to get into this because I know we've talked about this in the past, and that would be the response uh, of of pastors, of churches, and the like. And so, you know, you get into on the one hand, many. Um, Many Caucasian pastors, really for the first time, spoke out, spoke loudly, made it very evident and apparent during their Sunday morning service following Charlottesville uh, that, you know, Charlottesville was wrong. It should never have happened, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then we fast forward, of course, to both Paula White and let's, let's not take Jim Baker off of the, the hook here because mm-hmm. this happened on Jim Baker's show. And he was agreeing uh, with the fact that uh, Paula White was saying that, um, you know, Trump, if you disagree with Trump, you're going against God. And there were many other egregious things that were said. Here's the question. You know, apparently Paula White, Jim Baker, Hart Ramsey, Gerard Bonner are supposed to be all serving the same Jesus. Right. How how do we how do we what what do we do about this? Because it's very clear that you know what a Jim Baker is saying and what a Paula White is saying uh, does not reflect what we believe about 
Jesus, what do we do about this? Because my concern is for the onlooker who has never really been exposed to Jesus, to Christianity, what have you. And let's just say they walk in on this chapter, you know, of my life as a Christian. And it's this kind of back and forth. What happens? How do we distinguish ourselves from that kind of rhetoric, which tends to have more money, more power, more exposure, and bigger platforms than 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 perhaps those of us who are of African-American descent? That's a good question. I, w- I want to start here. What is happening, uh, uh, and I saw part of that interview, and um, what we're seeing is implicit bias. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, in, 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 in my line of work, um, it's called, you know, when, when you, the, under the study of scripture, there's a thing called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is, is the way we, we get, we, um, mine truth out of scriptures. Okay. How we dig it out, how we find and we connect things together. Um, the one of the rules of hermeneutics is this, is that, uh, uh matter of fact, we call it exegesis, taking out, right. um, ICGesis, which is, which means putting in happens when I when I go to the scriptures with a, 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 precon, a preconceived notion and try to use the scripture to say what I'm already thinking. Mm-hmm. That's the, my implicit bias makes the Bible say what I want it to say. So the Bible says, um, um, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now here's the thing. It's impossible to rightly divide the word of truth if the word of truth has not first rightly divided me. Ooh. In other words, when I go to the Bible and I read the Bible and uh, the, the word of God should cut right to my implicit bias, right to my sinful preference, right to my my um, um, my value system that, that, that came from maybe uh, parents that didn't know the Lord. It, it, it has to speak right to the place that offends the Lord. Anything that offends the Lord, the Bible speaks to it first. If, if I close my ear. And to the Holy Spirit, close my heart to God, close my eyes to the truth, then anything I say is dangerous. Number one, I'm going to preach stuff that God will not back up. Mm. Number two, I'm going to make up stuff just to make sure I, I continue my present level of comfort. Wow. And I'll, I'll demand change of everyone but myself. My goodness. So let me speak to Jim, Jim, um, Jim Baker. He should be ashamed of himself. And here's why. Because he went through a situation years ago where he was wronged. Right. He was wrongly convicted off an implicit bias. It, there were the people that, that went after him were jealous of his of his success. Mm-hmm. And he was he was wrongly convicted. And and, and I'm gonna tell you, I don't know if you know about this, but they, con- they didn't convict him about it wasn't about the woman that she supposedly was with, it was about him stealing money. Um they let him out of prison early. He had gotten a crazy sentence, but they let him out early because it was proven that he was he uh, he didn't do anything wrong in that area. Wow. But it never made the news. Do you know that Jim Jim all the wealth that Jim Baker has right now is not his? Let me tell you something that a lot of people don't know about this situation. A part of the stipulation of him being released from prison was that he could never have access to certain amounts of money again. Oh, wow. He, could, he can't. It's, it's, on, it's on record. Check it out. He can't, he can't even manage that kind of money. And so someone, someone with, with means told him to go and pick out a spot 
and they will buy it for him because he couldn't. He had. There's no way for him to acquire the kind of money to buy. And they're the ones that financed it, the the um the revival of his ministry, so to speak, and even giving and and his even his personal wealth. Wow. So he what he has in common with um Paula White is they both have benefactors mm-hmm. that's giving them large sums of money, and whatever that person subscribes to or believes, they can't. Uh, go crosswise of it because it will cut off the flow of their money. Wow. And so, no, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm speaking this stuff because you know somebody got to speak to it. Mm-hmm. And so what's going on again is, and this the bottom line is this. I said this about about what Donald Trump did concerning Charlottesville. Because remember, concerning Charlottesville, um, Donald Trump came and and read this um teleprompter scripted statement, right? Uh, halfway condemning um the, the uh, white supremacists, but then saying there was evil on many sides. Mm-hmm. And, and even for that little statement, David Duke, the ex-grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, he comes and he, and he rebukes him publicly mm-hmm. and saying, man, don't be, don't be fronting, we got you there. And I told my church that, that following Sunday, I said, man, be careful of, of playing with devils. Right. Because, because once they, they get you somewhere, then in, in their minds, you're no longer your own. You bought with the price. Mm-hmm. And I say concerning Donald Trump and Jim Baker and Paul, they have been bought with the price. Their benefactors own them. They can't say what God says because in, in, because where they are right now, the level of comfort and prestige that they are enjoying, it didn't come from God. Mm-mm-mm. Someone bought it for them. And, and somebody listening is going to say, oh, my God, I can't believe you're saying this about these people. It just sounds so slanderous. It's not slanderous. Sometimes truth sounds slanderous. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything in this podcast, Gerard, that's not public knowledge. Wow. Google what I'm saying. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you why I had to research this. I had to research this because I'm a pastor. And I want to know these stories because in a lot of ways, we all are vulnerable to repeating these very mistakes. Right. At any given moment, if you're going to walk in integrity, uh, my church uh, my church has a simple mantra. Okay. We strive for, a, a local, for local integrity and a global identity. That's good. Local integrity with a global identity. Sometimes it's the hardest thing to do when you're balancing both. It's like a tightrope. But I'm here to tell you that if we don't study how people mess up, we're going to mess up ourselves. That's the truth. So, so this the, the thing with, uh, with, with Jim Baker, you know, my heart, I, I, to be, and I say this, this is going to blow people away. I love him. Mm-hmm. I prayed for him profusely, man. The, the sight of him coming out of that courtroom crying. While people were mocking him, mm. man, I, I fell on my knees and I cried to God on his behalf. Wow. And I read his book. He wrote, he wrote a book called I Was Wrong. And in the book, he was talking about how he was talking about um, uh, he had to forgive his friends that betrayed him. And, and, and some of them, he, he prayed for them every day for years because he would forgive them one day. And then it would come back in his heart about what they did to him the next day. And he had to, he had to repeatedly forgive them. Wow. So, so I, I'm not a Jim Baker hit and Paula White man. I did an interview with Paula White some years ago. She was very, very uh, um, uh, respectful and very, very uh, um, encouraging to me. But man, right is right and wrong is wrong. That's right. Because, like as you said, there are people who are watching this from the outside in. They're wondering what does Christianity believe? Mm-hmm. And we've lost a lot of people who who said, "I want nothing to do with your Jesus," yes. because our doctrine and our, our rhetoric and all the stuff it's wrong and it's wicked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and did you hear what Jen Baker said? He made a statement in this very interview. He said, basically, if Donald Trump is impeached, it's going to start a civil war. I did hear that. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was it was as though we were in an alternative universe watching that interview because I just went, 
What? <laughs> what do you be? I mean, do you know something we don't, sir? Because from where I sit, you know, whether it's on TV or elsewhere, people are not happy with this presidency. So if he gets impeached, sure, there are going to be some happy people. Now, it's very clear that there are going to be some unhappy people because in watching several documentaries and the like, um, you're right, whether it's David Duke or many of the others that were there in Charlottesville, they felt empowered and emboldened by Donald Trump's presidency. Yep. And, and I'm not crazy enough to believe that there aren't a lot of Christians who feel emboldened in that same way as well. How do we address this? Because the reality of it is, you know, we're all striving to get to the same heaven and there's not going to be uh, a section for Caucasians and a section for Asians and a section for the Jewish and a section for us. We're all going to be there together. How do we address not just the leaders, but the parishioners who call themselves Christians, but yet have this deep-seated um, issue of preference, let's call it that, um, that seems to rear its ugly head in these kinds of moments? Well, you know, uh, I think the answer to that, Gerard, is we have to, it has to be addressed on a personal level first. Mm-hmm. Um, every one of us, know, we know someone um, who is the a, a different race or ethnicity or nationality, a different uh, socioeconomic cl- um, class or persuasion. We 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 know people. Mm-hmm. These conversations needs to be established on the level of, um, and I've had those conversations with I, a, a good friend of mine. I consider him a brother, a friend, um, Phil Muncy, um, who who actually uh, runs um, the Champion Network for Joe Osteen. He's a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And we had some, I, I, I actually let him have it, man. I, I, I just, when they all this started to happen, I, I was very, very bothered by their, by their silence. And I, mm-hmm. I really let him have it, man. And what he did was amazing to me. I'll never forget this. My, I, was, I was doing some work for my wife and, and he, he asked me, he said, I was going off on him. Mm-hmm. When, when everything, when this was right after Donald Trump won the presidency. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he called me. And he did something that was amazing. He listened to me for almost 30 minutes just go in. I wow. was so hurt. Just the way people respond to the white contingency of the body of Christ. And he just listened. Mm-hmm. And then he cried. Wow. And then he said, and then he shared his heart, man. And he, he really, really, he, he kept telling me, you're my brother. And he kept asking me, have I ever treated you? And he made it, he took the whole national argument and made it personal. Hmm. And and that's what I learned. It's going to start with pastors who have black pastors and white pastors who are friends having a personal level uh, conversation and then moving it from the personal level to a congregational level where our churches start having dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And we start setting the tone and setting the platform and the building a foundation. And then from there, we move it to to a, um, regional. So we, we go from our 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 personal level to our congregational level. Then we make it a uh, uh, um municipal we, we, we make it in a citywide thing where we, we have started have doing these rallies together in the name of coming together and unification and it's, it goes from city to county to, to state to region and then have national or uh, televised international rallies where the church comes together and says we're not we're not trying to say we're embracing our uh, all faiths ecumenically but what we're actually saying is we are one people we're one church right. in the book of revelation chapter 14 um uh, 
the, the writer says, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every tongue and, and kindred and, and uh, to every nation rather and kindred and tongue and people. And, and, and that that's not mentioned one time where the, the Bible talking about um, every tongue in Gen uh, Revelation five and nine. And they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou was slain and has redeemed us to God. By thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, kindred and tongue and people and nation. That's all of us. This multifaceted, multicolored, multi-ethnic, multi-ethnic, multiracial uh, blend of believers. Um, that's who Jesus came to die for. And anyone that preaches anything other than that, the Bible says, let them be cursed because they're preaching another gospel. Wow. Wow. In incredible, incredible, incredible stuff. And I really hope you guys have gathered something from this because, again, this has been a powerful session uh, where we're really talking about, I think, some issues that have to be talked about in the national and global church, uh, the importance of racial reconciliation. And so hopefully this will spark some conversations with you and your circle of friends and perhaps even in your church circles. We want to hear about those conversations and your thoughts from this. We want to create a dialogue. So if you would hit us up via social media and use the hashtag heart to heart, H-A-R-T, the number two, and H-E-A-R-T, heart to heart. We want to hear those comments and thoughts and hopefully we'll be be able to discuss some of them on our future episode. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Make sure you are rating us as well and share us with a friend for, for everybody, quite frankly, needs to get on course with Heart Ramsey. <laughs>